Welcome to season three, folks. Um, first of all, hi. Uh, this is Anna McKinley, a former news reporter at a local radio station in Kentucky. I no longer report on news. I no longer work at a radio station. I've taken a few months off to kind of just work on myself, enjoy life outside of being behind a microphone. I've moved. I've kind of switched jobs, sort of. And so now I'm ready to hop back on in the studio, get to work, get to meet new friends and have good conversations. And today you're in for a real treat. I have one, maybe maybe two special guests today. Um, they are some of my good friends that have become family. I now live with them. And so um, I'm excited to get to introduce those friends to you today. Today we'll dive into where I'm currently living and we'll talk about an upcoming trip that I'll be taking with these two friends and we might hit a couple of tough topics. Might get a little uncomfortable at times, but I encourage you to stick around. I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I had fun recording it. Honestly, it's good to be back. I'm excited for some real conversations, some good friends, some good topics. Enough of the intro. We'll go ahead and cue that music. Thank you for listening. Here we go. <laughs> Welcome back to, well, welcome. We'll start there. Special guests in the in this brand new studio I've never re- recorded in here, um, and that's because I haven't lived here but a few short days. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you for letting me borrow the studio and pay you rent. Welcome to the studio, Alec Hickton Burgess. Welcome. Better than I deserve. What's up? <laughs> that doesn't make sense at all. Ew. That's um, okay. That's okay. You know, this this is the first time we're making an appearance on the show. He's got to break the ice a little bit, you know? Welcome to the studio, Dave Ramsey. Better than I deserve. What's up? What What kind of topics do you have for us today? Well, first of all, how long have I been here now? Because the plan was to move in here with you and your your amazing, precious wife, Rachel. Stunning. I just got to say, absolutely stunning. Who Who did you say your celebrity crush was? My celebrity crush is none other than Rachel Burgess herself. Because you say you get stare at her for just two hours. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, not just two hours. Yeah. How long could, do you think you could actually stare at Rachel? You know, there's a lot of things. And like, are we talking about with blinking or without blinking? No, I mean, just without, without your eyes, like... Wandering off yeah, in yeah, other yeah. places. Okay. I could say, you know... I could I could throw out a number out there, but I'd be lying to you, Anna, because it realistically, the amount of time that I would stare at Rachel Burgess is just infinite. <laughs> like that number doesn't exist. So I feel like if I just laid a number out there for you, we'd be undershooting ourselves. Rachel is <laughs> sitting in the studio with us. Rachel, want to add any words? No, she says no. She's a little shy, it seems. Yeah. I made her blush a little bit. A little mic shy. <laughs> Wait, but um, you know those things? There's like actual tests where they can test where your eyes look on a screen. Yeah. Have you seen those? I've seen those before. You don't think your eyes would wander? Not at all. Not one bit. I feel like you're very like sporadic. Your brain is very sporadic. You don't think you'd go to look at the wall or like very, Tucker moving your dog? I am very like AD, ADHD is not the word I'm looking for, but like I have a hard time focusing on one thing, but... Rachel is just something that's unworldly. Like she's out of this world. So nothing can really compare. So for all other things, I feel like I would really lose focus very quickly. But since Rachel is just, there's, there's nothing to describe her. 
there's just absolutely nothing that could take my mind off of her. And I feel like that, that the number that I could just give you just is not a number yet. Cause there, it, like nobody's ever counted that high before. Rachel has no words. Rachel has no words. Her She's face is more red than a fresh picked strawberry. Okay. So you guys are in love. <laughs> well, I'm in love. I don't know about her. Cause <laughs> now Rachel, I have a question to put you on the spot. Okay. How long do you think you could stare at Alec? Hold on one second, one second. Mike, move. There's only one right answer, I feel like. Forever. Do you care to elaborate? That's just it. It's forever. Okay, so let me ask you this. What is your favorite, not pers- personality, uh, physical physical attribute about Alec? I don't think I have a favorite. I think it's just him as a whole. You know, I'm, I'm really feeling a sense of... Um, she doesn't want to pick just one. She's trying to like brush it off. Well, I feel like her answers are like straight out of Google, like straight out of straight out of Bing, or uh, straight out of Peter'sAnswers.com. Yes, let, let's talk about Peter'sAnswers.com, and you want to elaborate a little bit on that? Oh man, okay. So you actually showed me this website a few weeks ago. It is Peter'sAnswers.com, right? Correct. You showed it to me on your MacBook, and I think one of the first questions you Googled on there, because you just get on this website, you ask a question, and this website. Uh, calculates an answer for you. Calculates. It's not math. But Does the website calculate an answer for you? I don't know. I wonder how many people would actually listen to this and go, go see for themselves. It's, I'll be honest, it completely, I was, I was very spooked. It is very scary for somebody that it knows doesn't know about what PeterAnswers.com is. So the very first question I asked was, where is Rachel? So you type in the question on this website and supposedly Peter knows the answer to literally any question that you can think of. It baffles me. So my first question was, where is Rachel currently in the house? And it was just me and Anna in the room and I knew where Rachel was at the time. Anna didn't. So I typed in, where is Rachel at currently in the house? And it answered correctly. It said in the bedroom. The one that got me was i think it was the one where you asked where we had just eaten lunch and it knew we had eaten at uh wasabi love wasabi we'll get back more on wasabi here and it knew it knew that we had just gotten back from wasabi and then the other one was you asked where i worked and it said bluegrass middle school which i was currently working there and then i said well i have another job ask it where where is my other job and that one was not as to the point I think it said like Hodgenville. I think it said Hodgenville. Yeah, which was not incorrect, but it wasn't specific enough for me. And then I started to feel like maybe it was not, it didn't know everything. It's just crazy. With the with the way AI is going nowadays, it's insane how we've already created a software that just knows the answer to every single question. It also knew the sign in your kitchen. Yes, you had me at bacon. Like that's That freaked Rachel out. Yeah. That one did. Yeah. Now, the question that really spooked you the most, I feel like, was I asked Peter where he was and where he stayed. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it said Anna's bedroom. <laughs> no, it said the guest bedroom and bathroom. Okay, yeah. So technically where you're using the space. Yes. That, I feel like, got underneath your skin. I you're said, like, oh, okay. Some, something's and not And I right had just here. moved in like a few days before that, too. So. Yeah. So dropping everything, relocating, and then discovering this website that knows everything about you and then is saying that it stays in your space peter was there peter is felt his presence yeah 
Well, turns out Peter is not real. Oh, I know. We got everybody's hopes up. <laughs> With the new AI and softwares and everything in today's world, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising that something like that might exist in the near future, but the way how PeterAnswers.com works is um, the person who is using it obviously knows how it works, but you're going to use a guest that has no idea what this website is. You're going to type in the question, but in order for the system to know what the answer is, you're actually going to type in the answer instead of the question. So you type period and then the answer to your question. So I would type period. <laughs> Why are you giving this away to our fans? Well, you know, for our loyal viewers, we're, we want to give them something fun to take home. They're not viewing anything. For our loyal <laughs> listeners, we want to take them a little bit of juice to, you know, bring home to their friends and family and just prank them, uh, you know, with, with the upcoming holidays and everything coming up. You know, we got Thanksgiving. <laughs> what <and> holidays? <laughs> I don't know. It's August. <laughs> for Halloween, I guess. Honestly, every day feels the same for me because, you know, Working from home, seeing the same four walls every single day. <laughs> I don't even know if this is the eighth day of the week or we. Have, uh, yeah, okay, I think that's Peter in the background. <laughs> He's in the guest bathroom. Bathroom. <laughs> Just chilling. <laughs> yeah. So Peter answers. You type period, and I would put period green, and on the screen it would look like that I'm typing the question, but in all reality I'm typing the answer. Then you just hit spacebar, let it ride out. Until the whole question is completed, then you click enter and boom, whatever you typed after period is what's going to pop up on the screen. So um, definitely give it a try, you know, with your friends and family, spook them out a little bit for the upcoming Halloween season. Uh, it's right. going to be the perfect uh, prank for your friends and family. Um, also, can we talk about that? It's currently as we sit and record this, it's August 11th and this will release way after that, I'm sure. Um, yeah, way like August 12th. Like oh. Halloween, I think. Yeah, I could say Halloween. Yeah. You guys already have like your fall decorations up. When does fall officially start? Do you know? Oh my gosh. I mean, I feel like fall starts after 4th of July. And then obviously Christmas starts right after Thanksgiving and, That's true. and leads That's all the way true. up to 4th of July. You got to have the Christmas tree up from the end of Thanksgiving to the beginning of July. Because Christmas is the best season, in my opinion. That's true. And I think it brings about like... I think uh, winter doesn't drag as much because you have really the whole month of December to, to look forward to Christmas. Absolutely. And Thanksgiving also. And the Christmas movie marathons that just come on TV every single year, you know, those are classics. They will never get old. What's your favorites? You know, I'm... It's like your top five. The Christmas story is... is it fills Wait, a spot the for... Christmas story the Christmas story or a... Christmas a Christmas story. Are you sure? You're going to shoot your eyes out, kid. That one. I think that's a Christmas story. Right? Uh, it might be a Christmas story. Is that the one with the uh, the leg lamp? Yes, I was about to bring that up. It was yeah. where the dad gets that leg lamp. Yeah. But I, I, I would say that that fills the top five spots for me. All five of them. There's nothing, just like Rachel, there's nothing in this world that just describes the feeling that I get from watching that movie. It's sensational. Okay, so um, <laughs> so you and your wife have been married for, you're coming up on a year this year. Roughly. When is your anniversary? That's a great question, Anna. When is Rachel's birthday? That's a great question, When Anna. is your mom's birthday? We got married on November 6th of 2022. There you go. I have to give Rachel a side eye to make sure I got that right. And her birthday is on November 12th of 98. Rachel? 
Can you confirm? Yep, that's correct. And your mom's birthday? And her social security number? Is, okay. <laughs> <laughs> he's mad because he's not on air. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have this awesome dog, Tucker. What kind of dog is he? He is a miniature schnauzer. Where's the rest of his tail? <laughs> <laughs> so for those who don't know, Schnauzer has a little bit of terrier in their blood. So, you know, naturally they're born with really long skinny tails. And terriers were, you know, originally made for like rat hunting. So they would, the terriers would go down these tunnels and the owners would pull them back out with their tails. But um, just because they have a little bit of terrier in their blood, Schnauzers are born with these long tails and they just don't look right so what these breeders do is that they cut the tails off <laughs> to a little nub <laughs> and, it, and it, some of them will also crop their ears but a lot of you know a lot of people think that that's not right and it could hurt the dog that way but when they're when they're so young and get their tails cut they don't have nerve endings there yet so they don't feel a thing wait so did you got you guys when you got tucker did you request that the tail be it's it's actually already in the contract. Um, so there's a contract okay. that we had to sign, and it included that. It did specifically say that they do not crop the ears because it does cause them pain. Tucker is in his terrible twos, yes? Oh, my gosh. He's been in his terrible twos ever since he was born. I, I'm waiting for him to get out of it. When do you think that will happen? He gets easily angered. Very. He, he's very emotional. So, I you know, you've been asking a lot of questions about Rachel and I today. So let's ask a little bit about you. So hit me. Um, what's your favorite hobby to do? Uh, favorite hobby lately has been running. I don't. I don't. I think that's a hobby. Would you say? Yeah, that's a hobby. I started picking that up this year at the beginning beginning of twenty twenty three. Like, what do you want to accomplish with running? Like, why is that a driving factor for you? Um. It's definitely a fitness, like, go-getter mindset type of deal, I think. Who are you competing with? Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps. (laughs) Eight-time Olympic gold medalist winner. No, I think what actually inspired me was, like, on Instagram, you know how you can do in the search, it'll come up with just the, I guess it's the equivalent of, like, a FYP on TikTok. And it's just a bunch of videos or pictures. Yeah, it shows you what you're searching for, basically. Yes, but mostly now it's just videos. You notice how they've changed that over the years? Yeah, so Facebook, or it used to be Facebook, but now the parent company Meta, who owns Instagram, has done a case study where they found that videos retain viewer retention longer than photos do. And obviously the way that Meta makes their money is from user engagement. So... That makes sense. Yeah. So with, with, with the finding of how videos are getting more engagement than photos and more view time, like the average photo was viewed maybe 1.6 seconds, I believe. But the average video was watched about 40 to 60% of its length. So if there's a one minute video, people would be on there maybe 30 seconds. So what that does is, you know, it allows the users to be on the app more. Therefore, more ads are seen from these um, viewers and obviously all around meta makes more money out of it so we're we're like sheep well anyway all that to say meta shout out to you you got me on the running videos and i i think people are like really really creative now now that like because reels are a thing i feel like that that short amount of time grabs can either grab your attention or like how you said like some people only view that 40 to 60 percent of a video and then they're out of it. 
So a lot of the running videos I feel like have been really inspiring to watch and kind of has pushed my fitness journey. But the other day I ran my first three miler. I've never been able to do that. What was your time in the three mile? Like 30 something minutes. It comes down to about 10 minutes a mile. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm all about the short spurts and the one lap races. So I think that honestly you might have beaten me in that three mile race. I would have started walking for sure. Let me tell you, when this girl Anna runs, she's like on bunnies. Like, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> on bunnies. <laughs> like I, I will get off to such a great start and I'll look behind. I don't even see her. But towards the end, I'm just like nice, easy jog because I'm like dying. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> she just runs right by me. Tell I me mean, how that makes sense. It's taken a long time to get there because, gosh, I remember like elementary school. I couldn't even run the mile run with my classmates because I had asthma. <laughs> like, what a wimpy excuse now, you know what I mean? But now it's like I've gotten out there. So, like, it's the little things. You you adjust and change little minor things in your life, and you can start to see a bigger result, I feel like. What an inspiring story. Because, you know, there's all kinds of things out in the world. It could be, oh, I'm sore. Oh, I have, you know, like in your example, asthma. A lot of these people, <laughs> asthma, a lot of these, a lot of these people out there, especially when it comes to exercise, they just find every excuse in the book to not make it happen. And it's hard every day. It is hard. Every day I want to make an excuse not to get right. there. And, and it's just like a lot of things in life. There's never the perfect time. And if you have a clear goal in mind, you know, no matter what the outside factor is, nothing can really, you know, stop you when you have that drive deep down inside of you, you know, and I, you, you, with your example with asthma, I've also had other, you know, issues with my heart growing up. So I've had multiple heart issues. Um, SVT, supraventricular tachycardia is when your heart is having stages of rapid heartbeat. Uh, and also was born with a hole in my heart that most people, like everybody is, but at their first breath it closes, but mine never did. So what that did is whenever I got into high intensity workouts, it mixed the oxygenated blood with the unoxygenated blood and triggered the SVT. So I was wearing a heart monitor one time uh, during practice and I was having an episode where I would get lightheaded and I couldn't feel any of my limbs and I just felt like I was floating. And that monitor recorded 286 beats per minute and I was just jogging. It's so it's dangerous to get even up to 200. Right, right. right. And you were at 268? 286 is what the monitor recorded. 286? 286. Um, now, that was a, a stage of my athletic career where it was bothering me a lot. So I got on these beta blockers, did a lot of exercises where, you know, mental exercises where I knew how to stop it if I felt it coming on. And, you know, it still bothers me every now and then. But, you know, growing up with this, SVT, I've kind of learned how to control it more. Uh, and I, I didn't want that to stop me. And I wanted to overcome that. And that's something that I knew I wasn't going to let win at the end of the day. So go on, just go push through it and learn how to overcome it. And then I end up running division one track and field. So the yeah, sport yeah. that I was most likely not to be able to do is the one that I chose to do. So why did you run? Like what made you start running? Well, I was always in soccer and I was quick. So I wanted to try track and field. And I'm going to be honest, my first few races were just, they were ugly. I I was finishing towards the last of the entire field because I didn't really know what I was doing. 
And track and field was something for me that, um, you know, you got out of it what you put into it. And I feel like that's a really good lesson in life. You're always going to get what you put into it. Um, so obviously, you know, I'm, I'm very competitive, uh, you know, in the spirit and I don't like losing. So whenever I was coming in last in these events, I knew I had to do something to change that. So I'll go from running, I'll take the hundred meters, for example, we'll, we'll do the 400. My first 400 race was like a minute 21, which is not good at all. That's one lap around the track. And I got all the way down to 50.3 or 50 flat, uh, was my personal record, but you know, the reason why I wanted to do it is because I wanted to prove myself wrong. You know, I was told in, in high school by a certain coach that I wasn't going to be able to run in college. And that just lit a fire under yeah. me. And with, you know, considering all the outside factors and, you know, putting with, with the rule and vision that nobody can tell you what to do and only you can get out of it what you put into it, I wanted to prove myself wrong. And it just worked out. Look at you. Yeah. That's crazy. When I first started running, my goal was just to get to a mile without stopping, which I think a lot of like beginner runners, that is their goal. And I don't necessarily know that if I were to redo that, that that would be my goal. But my first mile, I remember running it in, gosh, like 16 or 17 minutes. Like, Oh, yeah. A lot of progress since then. I don't know. I think if I had a redo, I would change my strategy for sure. Yeah. And there's no such thing as a bad strategy. The hardest part of reaching any goal is getting started with it. Yeah, that inconsistency for sure. Absolutely. So what mile time did you run at the track the other day? A few weeks ago. When we ran together? Yeah. So my goal was eight minutes. Um, the fastest time to this date that I've ran a mile is 7.59. But I thought eight minutes, you know that's going to show that I'm pretty consistent with my fast time. But I think I ended up running an 8.03 or an 8.04. Considering that, where do you feel like it would be an appropriate goal for you to run that sub eight mile again? Sub eight mile meaning just under eight minutes. Um, I don't really think it's a time thing anymore. My goal has kind of shifted. Um, so I think my goal now is I know that my body's capable of doing a three miler. So I want to keep pushing for more miles rather than time. Does gotcha. that make sense? So you're, you're wanting to run longer. Yeah, I think I could. Not necessarily faster. Yeah, because it's like, who am I racing really? Am I racing time or am I racing like my body? That was deep. So what's your end goal with this increasing distances? Are you going to go for a marathon? Honestly, I don't really have any future plans of running anything. I still don't feel really super confident with running around people. Like running with you even is kind of still like, I'm, I'm always going to have that uh, conscience of like, he's in front of me. I'm never going to catch up. So I think right now a marathon is definitely out of the question. I just want to run for me. And it's, really it's probably, it probably sounds stupid to a lot of people, but in my head, I'm doing good for me, you know? Just doing you. Yeah. I just want to feel like this. You know what time of the day it is, everybody. It is time for the Alec Burgess financial segment of the day. Anna, what's your finance question today? I just want to say that since I moved in here, oh, sorry. I just, you know what this took me back to? 
when I had to call the Vegas people to get my ticket. <laughs> your phone anxiety cracks me up. And drive through anxiety when you tried to order Popeyes the other day. You just couldn't get your order out. <laughs> Listen, any of my friends will tell you I got that drive through anxiety. Um, <laughs> okay, here's a question. <laughs> I'll start it over. All right, last time, last time, last time. What's going on, everybody? You know what time of day it is. It is time for the Alec Burgess financial question of the day. And our question proudly comes from Anna. Anna, what's your financial question today? Uh, you watch a lot of Dave Ramsey. Yes, yes, I do. I guess when did you start watching him and what what kind of what advice would you give to young individuals? who maybe want to start their life and start getting money from something besides like a, a regular nine to five job? It's a great broad question. I'll, I'll do my best to, to narrow it down for you. But yeah, I mean, I was out of, I feel like Rachel and I, you know, we just got married and we're at a stage in our life where we don't know what the next step is, right? Obviously for a lot of couples, that next step is combining their finances. I know that's a touchy subject, but, um, you know, I was against that at first, but Rachel was all for it. And I, I, completely understand why she was all for that because it just you know combining finances really makes you work together as a team with your spouse and it's not like you know you pay this bill and because you paid this bill now I'm going to pay this bill there, there's no reason for you know competition you know once you get married you are considered one and you need to you know work together as a team the reason why I discovered Dave Ramsey is because I was you know, we were stuck in our, in the stage of what do we do next? You know, we had student loans, we had a house payment, we had two car payment, no, just one car payment. Um, and we had a house we wanted to remodel and we didn't know what the correct steps to take were. Right. So obviously with Dave Ramsey, he has these baby steps. These baby steps consist of, uh, one, starting with a emergency fund of $1,000. So what this does is in case of any small emergencies, like you, your tire goes out or you need to replace your AC in your car, those are stuff that has to be done, um, especially in the summer heat, just, just small stuff like that to cover you in case something was to go south. And then number two is to get off, get out of all debt, except for the mortgage. So this includes car loans, student loans, you know, home equity lines of credit, credit cards is a huge one. And what this does is, you know, free up your cash flow because your number one wealth building tool is going to be your income. So let's just say somebody makes a thousand dollars a week or no, we'll say, we'll say a thousand dollars a month just to be simple. And then every month they have a $400 car payment. They have $200 credit cards and then they got to pay their student loans is 300. So now they're left with a hundred dollars left over every single month. So clearing out these debts, what that does is free up your cash flow. So that person that's bringing home a hundred dollars a month after, you know, making a thousand because they pay off all their debts, they're now coming home with a thousand dollars instead of a hundred. Does that make sense? I was following you up until the, they're bringing home a thousand dollars. Okay. Let's just say the average income in America is $40,000, right? So that, let's just say a year. A year. Okay. Let's just say they're bringing in $3,600 a month. So the average person has $3,600 a month coming in, but a lot of that money is going out to debts. 
So maybe $500 car payment, $1,000 student loan payment. You have your house payment of $1,000. Right there alone, that's $2,500 of their $3,600 they're bringing in. Then they got to pay for food, utilities, bills of certain kinds, credit card debt. And you can slowly see how your $3,600 is just depleting to zero after you're paying for your bills and expenses, right? So getting out of debt early is super important, especially as a newly married couple, because it just, it opens up a lot more free cash flow. Right. So having no car payment, having no credit card bills, um, you know, no home equity lines of credits, no debts, just frees up cash flow and allows peace of mind. So fun fact, the number one cause of divorces in the United States is financially through financial situations. So it could be either through money disagreements, money stress, um, money, you know, any kind of money problem. That's the leading cause. So obviously what that tells you is to get the financial stress out of your life, right? If you want, uh, if, if you want and strive for a happy marriage, you want to get rid of that stress, clearing out that debt. It's super important because it clears up a lot of clash or cash flow. And then once you have more cash flow, you want to build an emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. So that $1,000 emergency fund we had in baby step one is now going to be in baby step three. So that's saving three to six months of expenses. So let's just say, you know, once you're debt free, you only have a mortgage and then you have your electric bill, water bill, your groceries for the month gym memberships, any kind of recurring monthly charges that are needed for your house and other things like insurance, like health insurance and car insurance, you want to factor that in, create a budget to figure out how much these expenses are. So let's just say if the average couple is spending $3,000 a month on these things, they want their emergency fund to be nine to $18,000. So three to six months. You following me there? I think so. Okay. So once you have a Let's just say a three to six month emergency fund saved. Then you really want to start. This is when you start investing. So you want to invest 15% of your income to retirement. Retirement is a big topic that a lot of people don't quite understand at a young age. And that's okay. There's really never a, there's never a wrong time and a right time. The, the best time is yesterday with, with investing and the sooner the better because of, of all kinds of things such as compound interest, which we can talk about on another segment. Um, but investing 15% of your retirement once you have three to six months of emergency funds saved because now you're able to start investing for your future because you're you're covered for today with your emergency fund. And after that is when you start saving for your kid's college. If you don't have kids, that obviously doesn't apply. Uh, and then the last step, baby step six, is paying off your mortgage early. So once you have three to six months of emergency funds saved, you're investing in your future for retirement, and then you're paying off your house early. And traditionally, seven to 10 years for the Dave Ramsey followers, this is when they'll pay their house off, and then they can live you know, financially stress-free and be very generous with their income. So they could give to charity, give to church. Um, they can tip that random waiter or waitress at that restaurant $100 if they feel like it, just because they can be more generous with their wealth now. And, the number one thing that money is, is a tool to spread God's word. That's what money is. That's what it says in the Bible, right? So if you can get that stress out of your life and be more generous, you're doing what was intended for you in life. So, 
So baby step one, save $1,000 for an emergency fund. Two is pay off all debts except the mortgage. So car, student loans, credit card debts, etc. Then you want to save three to six months of emergency fund. Then invest in your future, 15%. And then five slash six, pay off your mortgage early or save for kids college, whichever one you choose. And then just be generous. I will just note that because the listeners can't view this, you aren't reading these notes. You you know this by like heart. So how long have you been following Dave Ramsey? Or is this something that you've kind of just com- combined? I guess this is your lifestyle though, right? Yeah, I mean, working I, towards it? I kind of strive, you know, with this plan to a T other than the credit card usage. I feel like not all people are credit card people and that's totally okay, but some people are. And you can get a lot of perks with credit cards. So my wife, Rachel, and I, we got a free honeymoon to Hawaii with credit card points alone. But it is a very dangerous tool, and I see why he says not to have them in your life because, you know, it's just another step. It causes that financial stress, again, which is what you want to get rid of. But, um, I mean, if you're responsible, I feel like there's nothing wrong with credit cards, absolutely. Um, But I, I, I really... You know, I, I feel like there's never a point where you know too much, and I'm always wanting to strive just to, you know, put myself and my family in, in the best financial position that they can be in because you never know when – this is going to be a little deep. Sorry for the viewers or listeners out there. You never know when your last day is going to be. So do you want to <laughs> – do you want to set your family up for success if you weren't to be here tomorrow or – do you not want to give them the tools and knowledge that they need to know to make sure the family is okay in the long run? No, right. that's, thank you, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, brother. <laughs> so knowing that, you know, you can never know too much financial information. I'm always watching that show just to learn more. And that's a little, that's a little deep. It can no. be a little uncomfortable for some. I didn't mean to laugh. <laughs> some people it's funny and that's okay. You know, you want to live in the moment. I get that. A lot of people do. <laughs> but you also have to think about your future. So if you can find a good balance between them both, that's how you're going to be don't, successful. Don't blow it in Vegas. Don't blow it in Vegas. Right. We are going in Vegas in November. <laughs> we're going in Vegas. We're going to be playing. Yeah, we're going in Vegas. We're going to Vegas in November. And going to yeah. be playing her first poker tournament. No, I will not be spending my personal money gambling. And that's very smart. So who is a credit card person? A credit card person is somebody who is, you know, I, I feel like I could say responsible and everybody's going to be like, well, I'm responsible. But a credit card person is somebody who is responsible enough to keep track of when their payments are due and they pay it off in full every single month. So obviously right now with interest rates being astronomically high, credit card interest rates are up to near 28% right now a month. So if you have a $100 credit card payment, then you're going to be paying $128 if you don't pay that off. I think that's that, that th- I think that's yearly, so it might be 28 divided by 12, but still interest rates with credit cards are astronomically high. So a credit card person is somebody who only spends who who only uses their card for stuff that they would, you know, spend money on anyway. So your utilities, your electric bill, your water bill, um, groceries, I would put that on a credit card because you get points back and you also get a sign-up bonus. Now, somebody that's not a credit card person is buying stuff that you don't need. 
So a new couch or redoing your kitchen, you don't need to do that. And then obviously if, you, if you're spending money that you don't have, so let's say you have $500 in your checking account and you're spending $1,000 because you're going to get paid in the next two weeks and it should cover it. No, you're dumb. You're broke. Dave Ramsey insert. Do not spend money on stuff with credit cards that you don't need and can't afford. Just do it on stuff that you're going to spend money on anyway and pay it off. That's a credit card person. And it's okay to not be a credit card person. Nobody's judging you. But Anna, I feel like you and I, and probably Rachel sometimes, are credit card people. Let me ask you this. What is your definition of gambling? Uh, Hot topic here. I think it's throwing away money. So if I just throw money in a fire pit, that's gambling? (laughs) I think what you're trying to say is throwing money... Essentially, essentially to try and win money. No, it's essentially. uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, if you're (laughs) if you're throwing your money in a fire pit, you're obviously not using it to be generous. So yes, gambling. (laughs) So if (laughs) If you're not using it for you, or or. (laughs) We're gonna get we're gonna get Siri up in this conversation. Rachel, help me. What is what is Rachel's definition of gambling? Ask Peter. Oh, God. <laughs> gosh. Here we, here we go with the, with the Peter rollback. Okay, so gambling is the wagering of something of value on a random event with the intent of winning something else of value. Right, because wasn't Jesus's garments gambled? Remember that? I don't remember Rachel, that. That would be a Rachel question. Can you question. back me up on that? I think the Romans gambled the for Romans? his clothes. Okay. So, so let me ask this question, Anna. Uh-oh. Let's bring an arcade into the question. So if you're putting $20 into the machine to get an arcade card and, you, a prize. And, and your in- intent is to win a prize, is that considered gambling? I feel like, yeah, yeah. I think it's all really based on intentions. If you're going to have fun, <laughs> sorry. Um, so the like big question Gaddy here is Land, I remember as a kid, Gaddyland, we were not allowed to do. Like from your parents? Yeah, because... You are wasting money. Again, when you're gambling, you are wasting that money. And you're earning money that you didn't work for. You're winning money, someone's money. So if gambling is illegal, so you're saying an arcade is is gambling because you're putting money at risk to win an intrinsic prize (laughs) of value. What did... So if gambling is illegal to minors under 21, why is it legal to play an arcade for minors? That that draws them in to gamble when they turn twenty one. So again, it, it goes off of intent. So if your intent is to win a certain prize, I could see that as gambling. If your intent is to go and have fun playing games, and then you can use your tickets to get whatever, I don't see that as gambling because your intent no, is not these for the kids prize. At Gaddyland, need to be locked up. <laughs> get them. Well. You know, I searched Google for Gaddyland and Hard County. <laughs> we don't have a Gaddyland. We have a Mr. Gaddy's. Is that what you're referring to? <laughs> Is it not Gaddyland inside? It's, it's, it's Mr. Gaddy's land. Mr. Gaddy's. <laughs> Mr. Gaddy's has an arcade. Yeah, it's Gaddyland. Gaddy I did not know that. <laughs> so you're you're holding to your guns that kids going to play on these arcade <laughs> games like Mario Super Racer and then getting 10 tickets to go buy It's not candy. about what the game is. I don't care how cute it is. So you're sticking to your guns <laughs> that that's gambling? 
essentially is. Their intent, like Rachel said, it's masked. I think that playing these games is all fun and games for these kids. They're not worried about those top shelf prizes. They're just there to have fun. Well, some of them are there to just have fun. No, some of because, them want to win that prize. Okay, but have you seen the kids that have ripped tickets out that do not belong to them? Well, the thing with the new cards, the new technology, they actually got rid of tickets. So oh. the, the ticket value is stored on your card. Well, that now you they want them even more. Now they're going to be stealing those little gift cards out of everybody's wallets. <laughs> I don't know what kind of Gaddyland or if this was like in Chicago Gaddyland or something. No offense to the Chicago folks out there. I love Chicago. <laughs> great town, great city. So you're, you're sticking to your guns at a little five-year-old Johnny going to play they Super don't know Mario it. Kart Racer. They don't know it. But so yeah. their intent is to just have fun. So they're not gambling. No, I'm saying that they are gambling. <laughs> really? So there's a little super little Johnny going to Mr. Gaddy's five dollars from his parents to go ride Super Mario he race against his buddies. He's yeah. gambling. He doesn't know it, but he is. I don't he's, think so. He's, he's getting adopted into the gambling scene. I I feel like it's a very fine line because again, looking back on the definition, the intent of winning something else of value. So if little Johnny was going to race his friends and intent to get that top shelf prize. I'll throw you a scenario. Johnny goes to Gaddy's to play with his friends at the Mario Kart station or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when you're racing your friends. Yes. Yeah. He does not get the rewards from his card. He doesn't use those. Okay. So he is his mom and dad or whoever paid for him to play the games has lost that money, but they are not in return getting something that they did not work to get. So if he's just actually genuinely there to have fun with his friends, he will not go to the rewards and pick up a prize. So, I mean, that's just basically Mr. Gaddy's is allowing you to go get some candy for having fun. That's just free. I don't think that's gambling. It's masked. I think it would be gambling. That candy is worth how much money? So if little Johnny <laughs> plays the game, he and has... And Gaddy's is ripping them off. <laughs> they are ripping them off big time. You spend $5 on one Tootsie Roll. But at the end of the day... I feel like it's laid out as this. If little Johnny is going and he just wants to race Mario Kart and he's having fun, he sees that he has tickets on his card, so he goes over and gets some candy or whatever prize he can get just because he can. I don't see that as gambling. But if little Johnny goes and he walks up to the prize counter and he's like, I really want to win that top shelf prize. I'm going to go play some games and I'm going to win this. Then he goes to play Mario Kart with the intention of getting that prize. I see that as gambling. (sighs) That's tough because... When you go to gamble in a casino, because I have gone to a casino before. Your intent is to win money. The first time it was really just to have fun. But I remember when my eyes lit up when I won like the $2 or $3. You got that adrenaline rush. Yeah. And then from there, it switched. It did switch into the mindset of, okay, I'm getting money out of this. And I feel like that goes to the conversation that not everybody is a credit card person. Not everybody should be... Playing these games because it can lead down mm. a deeper, darker hole. It yeah. can lead down the bunny hole, just like credit cards. If you're not careful, it can go down this big old rabbit hole. Now, I, I'll be honest. I love the game of poker. I don't always, or I don't like to play to win, but I just love the game itself. But obviously, the game costs money to play. So if I play in a poker tournament, we're going to use Little Johnny's example. If I play in a poker tournament just to have fun and then try to win, you know, first place crown for you know bragging rights. But I'm not worried about the money. Is that considered gambling? Rewind. Sorry. So if if I'm at a if I'm choosing to play in a poker tournament that costs eighty dollars to enter, but I'm not trying. I don't have an intent to win money. I just have an intent to love or play the game that I love, the poker game. 
and I'm not playing to win, but I'm playing to just, you know, in my head, bragging rights. I'm playing in my head bragging rights to try to win first place because I love this game instead of trying to win money. Is that gambling without well, the intention? Your intention was made obvious when you walked in and dropped $80 on a game just because you love the game. Okay, let's just say it was $5, like the little Johnny example. Like he wants to just play with his friends. Well, that's my point, though, is no matter the dollar amount, like couldn't you do that at your own house? Yeah, you could technically. Absolutely. I still love but the game But you have equally. to go somewhere where you know that there's going to be money involved. No, there's, there's nobody that likes the game of poker that, that, I, that I know of, so I cannot Bruh, physically play. I literally played it with you the other day. Yeah, but it's it's different when you have a table of nine people versus just two. Like, oh, the game gets so more fun. So your thing is you have to go to a casino because there's other people there. Right, that are there. there's a full the table. There's a full table of players. I understand uh, if I'm playing a cash game where I just sit down with $100 and I'm just playing poker. That's different. Right. But a tournament is... Li- Cause I'm that I have that competitive personality. A tournament is when you try to make it to the end and win it all. So, okay, let me throw you a, sen- a scenario. Okay. You drop how much ever money to X go amount. play. Yeah. Yes. X amount. $5, $80. And there's no money to be won. Would you still play? Absolutely. Like charity, charity poker tournaments. I would still love to play those. Okay. Then that's not gambling. I feel like. You're just dropping money to donations at that point, yeah, right? Yeah, everything would be going to donations. I mean, there is still prizes like, um, you know, a two hundred dollar gift box, but nobody's playing for that gift box. They're just playing to have fun. Would you give the gift box away if you want it? No, I I would still keep it. See, then that's gambling. <laughs> You're getting something. In I return. don't have an intention to win that gift box. I have an intention to go and play a game that I like playing. But your intentions no longer are, what's, of value now. It's that you will get something in return or you might get something in return that was not. Let me blow your mind real quick. Okay. So the idea of a small business owner, he goes out and spends $5,000 on lawn mowing equipment. He mows a lawn, but somebody offers him $30 to mow the lawn. Does he take the money or just don't accept it? I mean, he's a small business owner, right? So he would take the money, right? So if I business, so if I, play in a charity poker tournament and I get offered a prize at the end, I'm going to take it towards your business. I don't know what it is. I don't, I don't know what the, what's the prize. I don't know. I didn't know they give away <laughs> gift boxes for, give for away. charity <laughs> poker tournaments. There is usually a first, second and third place prize or a golf scramble, a charity golf scramble. So a charity golf, a golf scramble is a, is a golf team of four mm-hmm. and you're shooting your best, ball between you four and you try to get the lowest score right so for example there's a backpack for kids golf charity scramble event that i play in every now and then all the proceeds go to backpack for children great cause but the team that gets the lowest score gets a 25 dollars starbucks gift card no you give that away to the children put but it in a backpack. there's no children there there's no <laughs> backpacks there it's just the money that's collected is given to you can find a backpack <laughs> Give back. <laughs> backpack, backpack, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a prize for closest to the hole on a par three and longest drive. And both of those gifts should go back to the kids. Some people do do that. And some people take Don't. it. Some people take it. But that, I wouldn't consider that gambling because their intention was not yeah. to win that prize. You see no. what I'm saying? Yeah. So same thing with poker tournaments. No. If you're playing to just <laughs> have fun and not for the prize... Just because you love the game, I don't see that as gambling. That's just my hot take. 
And I feel like if you're living with the, you know, God's best interest in mind and trying to live the life that Jesus lived, I feel like that's all that really matters. Wow. Yeah. Again, that was Alec Higdon Burgess. Alec is also a videographer for weddings. Uh, what were, what awards have you won through that? I've won The Knot, which is the number one wedding website. We've won the best of weddings for two years in a row. Incredible. We've won Wedding Wire's Couple Choice Award, uh, Peer Space, which is a pretty big blog. They ranked us on their list of best videographers in the Lexington area. Alex's wife, Rachel, also does photography, weddings, portraits. She does amazing. Uh, what, uh, what else do you do, Rachel? I mean, uh, what, what other types of family? Family. Senior. senior. Maternity. Yeah, maternity. Baby. She does mine. She's my personal photographer, and uh, I can uh, 100% say, like, I would recommend her for <laughs> anything you need. She's um, so great with her clients. Yes. Yeah, you'll have a great time and get some really, really great pictures, and she has great prices. So go um, check her out as well, too. I'll put her her socials in the comments below as well. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It's good to be back. Alec, how would you rate this experience, and will you be back? Oh, I will definitely 100% be back. Anytime that you would love to have me, I'd love to be here. It was a great time. And don't forget, folks, to, um, for Halloween this year, prank your family with Peter Says. Thunder Buddies. <laughs> Thunder Buddies for life. All right. Well, until next week or next time that I upload an episode, thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Peace out.